We turn in Scripture to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. The Apostle Paul establishes, or the Lord through the Apostle, establishes the church at Thessalonica on his second missionary journey. And it's on that same second missionary journey that Paul writes this letter to them. So, uh, it's been but a short time between the work Paul did at the church and this letter. Uh, That's helpful to bear in mind. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you, For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light. And the children of the day, we are not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep, as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken, are drunken in the night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with Him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord. And admonish you, and to esteem them very highly, in love for their work's sake. And be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man. But ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit. Despise not prophesyings. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with an holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.
Amen. The text this morning is 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, one thing that stands out about Thanksgiving Day is the fact that we all come to church this morning having had our own unique experiences and having our own, ex- our own circumstances in life that we have. Certainly as a church family, we do have a shared experience As a church family, we bear each other's burdens and and we're all touched by the things that other members of the church have gone through. Nevertheless, I think we understand at the same time we all come to church this morning having our own thoughts on how things have gone for us the past year. Some of us have experienced success and smooth sailing. And we have experienced God's bountiful hand being open to us. Others of us, however, have not had that experience. But we've had a difficult way. We've experienced discouragements and setbacks and trials and heartaches and disappointments. Perhaps this is even a common feeling among many of us. For many, this past year has been difficult. Certainly as a church, you've experienced difficulties and trials. Well, when we look at the church at Thessalonica, we see that that is exactly how it was for the church at Thessalonica. These saints to whom the apostle writes just had a difficult year that they went through. These saints were suffering persecution, heavy persecution. In fact, we get the impression from chapter 2 that some of the church members had lost their lives in the persecution. There was death that touched the church, not only through persecution, but but in other ways. You can see in chapter 4 that the church was mourning over the death of loved ones. And, And even as the families in the church were mourning the death of loved ones, This church was so young in the faith that they didn't even know what they were supposed to think about their loved ones who had died. Were their loved ones going to miss out on the new heavens and new earth? And so they were grieving, and and the apostle had to give them words of instruction and comfort regarding what their hope should be. In addition, there are even hints in this letter that there was some tension within the church among the members in the church at Thessalonica. The the challenges that they were going through, you can imagine, was putting a strain on the communion of the saints. In fact, so concerned was Paul about this infant church and their spiritual well-being that when Paul was in Athens, Paul sent young Timothy back to Thessalonica in order to establish these saints more firmly and encourage them and comfort them. The point is, these saints in the church at Thessalonica also knew what it was to experience difficulty and trial. And yet, in the midst of all those struggles, as the apostle is wrapping up this letter 
to these Christians, what does he write to them? Well, he writes the words of the text. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Well, that's also the gentle exhortation that comes to us this morning. That's, that's really the purpose of Thanksgiving Day, in a sense, to remember to give thanks and to remember to give thanks in everything. No matter what you're going through right now, you're called to worship and give thanks. We take as our theme this morning, giving thanks in everything. We look at three things. First, we look at the calling, what that means to give thanks in everything. Second, we look at the reason. We look at the second half of the verse, and then we look at the possibility. The apostle writes, in everything, give thanks. That's the calling. And if I may point out, that's, that's not just the suggestion, that's not just advice, but that is an imperative. It's written in the imperative. This is a command. In everything, give thanks. Well, what does that mean? I think we intuitively know what it means to give thanks. To give thanks is to acknowledge that we have received something. It's to acknowledge that someone has done something for us. And we express that acknowledgement, we recognize that giving, that care for us, that, that doing of something with appreciation. We recognize it with joy. And in the passage, what is implied is that we are to give thanks to God. In everything, give thanks to God. And really, to give thanks then is to, to point at everything that God has given us. To point at the, the earthly and material provisions, to point at the abundance, to point at the mercies, to point at the, the directing hand that has led us to, to point at all the provisions that God has given us, and then to point to God and to acknowledge that all these things come from Him. That, that's what thanks is. And then to give thanks implies having my heart in it. To give thanks is to acknowledge all these things from the Lord with a heart that, that seeks to glorify God and praise God for how He has cared for us and how He has provided. In addition to all of that, to give thanks means also that we are truly content. We are truly satisfied with what God has given and how God has led. I know God is good. I know God has been good to me, and I acknowledge that. And I give thanks for that, and I give praise to God for that. Really, to give thanks then is to shift the attention away from myself, to point to God and to say, Thou, O Lord, Thou art good, Thou hast given all these things, and Thy name is to be magnified. To give thanks involves a, a heart attitude of contentment and humility, and it also requires faith, and sometimes it requires a strong faith. I think we know intuitively what it means to give thanks. What's so striking in this verse is that the apostle says, give thanks in everything. In everything, give thanks. And, and the way that the word order is here in the King James, that's how it's written in the original. And I point that out to emphasize those two words at the beginning of the verse. In everything. The fact that those two words are at the beginning, at least in the original, and also in the King James, would emphasize that those words are to receive the emphasis. Not give thanks in everything, but 
in everything give thanks. Really, that's how we could read verses 16 and 17 as well. It should be evermore rejoice. Rejoice evermore. The, word, the emphasis on evermore. Verse 17, without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. And then, in everything, give thanks. That's the emphasis. And I'll also notice the text doesn't say, for everything, give thanks. It says, in everything, give thanks. Now, the Bible elsewhere will also call us, instruct us to give thanks for everything. In Ephesians 5, verse 20, we read, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's another duty and another calling we are, are, are given. For all things give thanks. But, but here this morning, we focus on this text, and the text here says, in everything give thanks. And the meaning is, in every circumstance, in the midst of every duty and privilege, in the midst of every triumph and defeat, in the midst of every heartache and pain, in every trial and challenge, in the midst of every tear and laugh, in the midst of every circumstance in which God has, given, has put you in, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. Don't just give thanks in the good times when it's easy. Give thanks in the difficult times. Give thanks in everything. Now, when we read this verse, we really need to slow down. I think our inclination sometimes, if we're not careful when we're reading the Bible, in, in a passage like this, our inclination might be to, to read through these things quickly. These are short verses. They are succinct. Maybe we, we, we're tempted to just rattle them off. What we need to do here is really slow down come to the, when we come to this section of the letter and realize that the apostle is being very deliberate, is being very purposeful and intentional. And if you know what the saints at Thessalonica were going through, then it becomes rather obvious that the Apostle Paul is writing these words very deliberately and purposefully because he himself knows. He was there with them in the persecution. He knows the people over whom they were mourning when, when those people died in the Lord. He, he knows what the church was going through. I already pointed this out in the introduction. It's, it's worth mentioning again, these saints at Thessalonica had gone through much persecution. Their lives had been turned upside down when the gospel came to them. Just think, how many of these saints had lost their jobs in the last year? I mean, to try to put it in, in language we understand today. How many of them lost their jobs? How many of them lost their families? How many of these saints had their crops burned? How many of their loved ones had not died? And, and not only with the persecution, but these saints, this church had suffered multiple deaths. They, they were mourning the death of loved ones. It was, it was all very fresh for them. These, these things were uh, real. The loneliness and the heartache that they were experiencing was real and acute. In addition, as I said, there appeared to be tensions in the church. The, the struggles that they were going through were putting a strain on their relationship with each other. You can understand that. And then on top of that, those are just the things we can read in the letter. On top of that, these, these saints had normal lives just like you and me. And they had sufferings that are not mentioned in this letter. Th these people were no different than you and me. 
And yet, yet in the midst of all these sufferings and their sorrows, the inspired word that comes to them is this. Give thanks. In everything, give thanks. Beloved, that's also the word of God that comes to us this morning on Thanksgiving Day. Give thanks. Maybe you've got a difficult way right now, and things are dark. And maybe the wintertime isn't helping. It's so dark, and it can be so gloomy and bleak. Maybe you've got strained relationships in the home. Maybe there are some who aren't going to have a Thanksgiving meal today because of tension in their families. Maybe you feel lost and lonely and without direction and maybe without the friends that you, that you feel would be such a blessing. Maybe, you, maybe you've got family members, children or parents or, or family members that are burdened down and you wish you could just take that burden completely off of them and, and rather bear it yourself and, and let them be free from that burden. But you can't. Because the Lord didn't put that burden on you. The Lord put that burden on your family member. Maybe you've got financial burdens. Stress is at work. You're busy. And yet you know that marriage and family life needs attention too. Maybe you were looking for an abundant harvest this year and and there's very little harvest to come across. In everything, the apostle writes, give thanks. I think that's part of what's so powerful about coming to church this morning. Because you know what the temptation might be? The temptation might be for us to say, not today. I will give thanks, but, but today, today I'm just not into it. I'm not, I'm not ready. I, I don't want to hear this word. Things are too hard. I'd rather sleep in. God's providential dealings with me have been too hard. There's too much heartache, too much stress. Thanksgiving Day doesn't always come at the most convenient time, does it? And yet the call comes, regardless of what your circumstances. The call to worship comes, give thanks. And the call comes, in everything, give thanks. Really, you experience, and I experience this every Sunday again as we gather for worship. Praise the Lord, gather for worship, and give thanks. And Sunday is, is God's gracious way of keeping us week by week, in that posture that we need to be in, a posture of thanksgiving. Keeping the Sabbath day is God's own way of of leading us to stay in that posture of giving thanks in every circumstance. That's what daily devotions are for too. Keeping me in that posture, that's what I need. And what the text means then is this. In all your circumstances of life, point, point to the provisions. Remember what you have. Remember what God has provided you. And point to God and confess that the blessings and benefits you have enjoyed have come from God. And He is to be praised for these mercies and these gifts and blessings He has shown you. Point to what God has given you and express your satisfaction with His dealings with you, His precious child. Keep doing that. Keep doing that, saints at Thessalonica. Keep doing that, saints here this morning. That's the calling. This calling that the apostle gives is not always an easy thing. Paul understood that. In fact, it's a calling that might cause some of God's people to stagger. 
It's hard sometimes to give thanks. And so the apostle goes on to explain himself. He doesn't leave himself there, but he gives the reason. He gives the reason for this calling. He writes, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now we need to ask, what does that mean? Well, there are a few different ways of understanding the second half of the text. And let me give you two main ways of understanding this language. The first way to understand it is like this. In everything give thanks, for this is the duty God puts upon you in Jesus Christ. Having redeemed you through the blood of Jesus Christ, this is now the duty God places upon you. This is the obligation God gives you to give thanks in everything. Now, that might be the way we naturally read the passage. That might be the easiest way to understand the passage. Having understood what God has done for you in Christ, you now need to see you have a special obligation that God puts on you. And the obligation is, he calls you to give thanks in everything. That's one way to read the passage. The second way to understand the passage is like this. And really, these two different ways of understanding the passage can fit together. I think it's more a matter of emphasis than anything else. But the second way to understand the passage is like this. In everything, give thanks, for this is, in fact, what God has appointed you unto. This is, in fact, what God has appointed for you in and through Jesus Christ. To put it another way, in everything give thanks, for this is, this is not so much your duty, this is not so much your obligation, although it is your duty and obligation, but this is God's purpose for you. This is the possibility that you now have in Jesus Christ that you can give thanks in everything. And then the idea would be, because you are in Jesus Christ... Because God has saved you from your sins and you are not left to yourself, you are never left to yourself, you indeed have every reason to give thanks in every circumstance. It is truly possible and right and, and appropriate to give thanks in every circumstances. True and honest, sincere thanksgiving can be given to God in your circumstances because this is what God's will and purpose is for you as one whom He has redeemed through the blood of Jesus Christ. God in Jesus Christ loves you. And God has such a gracious disposition towards you that He will work all things for your good. He is shaping and molding you and everything in your life so that you are brought to His right hand where there are pleasures forevermore. And so you can give thanks in every circumstance because God is doing something with it. God is doing something good with it. Saints in Thessalonica, that's the second way to understand the passage. Now, I think those two ideas can really go together. First, give God thanks because this is your duty and obligation. That's true. But, but then also give thanks in everything because this is your blessedness. This is your special circumstance as you've been called out of darkness and you've, you've been made a child of God that you can give thanks. It is possible that... It, that you can give thanks. You, you should, you should give thanks in everything. That's the reason to give thanks unto God in all things. 
Now, if we want to illustrate all of this a little bit, we can look at the life of Jesus and see in Jesus' own life how all this works out. You look at the life of your Savior, and and what else is it but a, a perfect, complete life of thankfulness? He gave perfect thanks continually. And he gave perfect thanks for both of these reasons. He knew that thanksgiving was his duty and his obligation under God as a man. And he also knew that giving thanks was his special circumstance, knowing who he was as the well-beloved Son of God. He knew that giving thanks was God's will for his life. And we just look at his entire life and, and we see it happening. Remember, when Jesus was ministering to the crowds, he was, he was preaching to them all day long, and the people needed food to eat. And there was only five loaves of bread, small little loaves of bread and two fishes that, that were there in that, in that field, in that pasture. Just, just a little lunch for a boy. And you remember what Jesus did? He took that bread, think of it, a, a, a schoolboy's lunch, how many of us maybe find that so appealing? That, that was maybe baking in the sun all day. But he, he took that bread, probably dry, crusty bread. He took that fish, probably not the freshest fish that you've ever had. And he gave thanks. And in those circumstances too, in the midst of a crowd of people that he knew was soon going to walk away from him and reject his teaching, here with five loaves of bread and two fishes in these circumstances, Jesus gave thanks. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples. Or maybe you remember when Jesus was rebuking the Pharisees and the scribes for their astonishing unbelief. And he was dealing there with impenitent hearts, hard and stubborn hearts. And you remember what Jesus did in those circumstances? He gave thanks. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. Or do you remember when Jesus was at the graveside of his close friend Lazarus? And remember Jesus was there and the tears were streaming down his cheeks and he was groaning inwardly. Do you remember what Jesus did at the graveside of Lazarus? He gave thanks. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And the point is, in these most discouraging and difficult circumstances, Jesus gave thanks. Remember when Jesus was in the upper room with his disciples the night before his crucifixion, and he knows that his hour, the hour of his suffering, is imminent, it is right upon him. And he's about to go through with the unspeakable agonies of suffering and dying on the cross and during the agonies of hell. And you remember what Jesus did then? He gave thanks. And he took bread and he gave thanks. And I think we should understand that wasn't just thanks for the bread. That, that was thanks for everything. That was Jesus giving God thanks even as he knew he was going to break that bread, and he was going to pour out that wine, and he knew that was a picture of his body. And he, he understood what was before him, and he gave thanks in those circumstances. In everything, Jesus gave thanks. And the point is, 
Jesus knew it to be his obligation to give thanks. He knew this was God's will for him in that sense. And at the same time, Jesus also knew that thanksgiving was something he could give and something he should give because he knew that his father was directing all these things in his life, leading all these things first for the glory of God's name. And Jesus, that's what he was satisfied with. And also, also to lead Jesus down the pathway that would lead Jesus to glory in the end. And so we can see how even with this commandment in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 18, Jesus is, is, being, is our perfect example, a perfect example of giving thanks in everything. But then as soon as we say that, we need to remember Jesus is not just an example for us, but Jesus is the one who actually fulfilled this commandment for us. We need to appreciate that this morning too. That's part of giving thanks this morning. Jesus is the one who obtained the blessed circumstances in which we can give thanks in every circumstance. Because Jesus not only gave thanks in everything, but Jesus also lived that perfect life of thankfulness for you, in your place, as your substitute. The perfect life of thankfulness you had to give to God. Jesus lived that perfect life for you. And his perfect life of thankfulness has now been imputed to you so that it is now, this is your standing before God, it is now as if you are the ones who have lived that perfectly thankful life. You are credited. That perfectly thankful life has been imputed to you so that you are credited with that perfectly thankful life. So, and that's important to understand because now this commandment in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 18 comes to us not in the sense that now we need to live a thankful life in order to earn God's favor or to merit anything with God. No, that's, that's not it at all. But we are called to live a thankful life because God has already secured our perfect righteousness. God has already secured the full and free salvation in Jesus Christ through Christ. And it's now God's fatherly, loving will for us, living out of Christ, for us, that we, living out of Christ, should be equipped and strengthened to live a joyful life in all true thanks. Enjoying this privileged life of not having to work or, or merit or earn anything and not be worried about that, but, but simply live a life of thankfulness. In everything, give thanks. This is the life God has imparted to us through Jesus Christ. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. The point I'm really coming to is this. Believer, you who embrace Jesus as your Savior and you rely upon Him, your sins are forgiven. Your eternal glory is secure. And you are the precious possession of Jesus Christ. You are in Christ. That's your comfort in life and death. God has made you a believer and everything is subservient to your salvation. And what that means is you have reason to give thanks in every circumstance. This is God's will for you. And these are the circumstances of your life in Christ Jesus. The persecution you are suffering. The death of your loved ones in the Lord. The, the struggles, the tensions in the church. You saints in Thessalonica, you might be wondering how, how this could be for your good. But, but God says you can be thankful in the midst of your circumstances. Nothing is superfluous. Nothing is wasted. 
everything is serving your good, even your present heartache. God is doing something with it. God says, I have such a gracious disposition towards you that even in your afflictions, you have reason for thanks. And again, when you look at the life of Jesus, you see that Jesus understood these things for himself. Jesus knew he could give thanks in everything because he knew his relationship to his Father in heaven. He knew where he stood. And he knew the joy that was set before him. And he knew that even though he had to go the dark way of the cross, nevertheless, he knew there was glory in store for him. And he knew that everything that God was bringing in his life, it was, it was ultimately leading to that. And so he endured the cross and he despised the shame, knowing the joy, knowing that, knowing that his life should be a life of thankfulness, doing the Lord's will. And that's how it is for us also who are in Jesus Christ. So, so I can ask you this morning, what are your circumstances today on Thanksgiving Day? Maybe life is busy. Maybe, maybe the children are a handful. Maybe, maybe making preparations for Thanksgiving Day has, has it's been hard to be a joy, to do it with joy because it's busy and it's work. Maybe work is stressful and, and you're happy to have a few days off this weekend. Maybe family life is stressful. You have family divisions and, and maybe it, it stares you in the face when it comes to the holidays. Maybe this pathway is not the pathway you would have chosen for yourself. Maybe, maybe in fact, it's the last pathway you would have chosen for yourself. Remember your circumstances in Christ. Remember who is in control. Remember that God is using all these things for you. Remember that God does care for you. And give thanks. God's word comes to us and it gives us this gentle calling. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Yes, it's your duty. It's your obligation, certainly. But God has also so fashioned your life so that you truly can and you should, you should give thanks in everything. But maybe we look at our lives and we say, it's hard. I struggle to give thanks in these circumstances. How, how is it even possible? How is it possible? Well, in and of ourselves, it is impossible. And when we have our eyes focused on ourselves, then, then that's a real question. But when we see who we are in Jesus Christ, and when we have our eyes turned to Christ, then out of Christ, and, and strengthened by His Spirit, equipped by His Spirit, we can give thanks. So how is it possible? It's possible in this way. Remember, you have to point at all the things that God has provided for you, all the abundance, all the provisions. The, the, possible, the way it's possible to give thanks is this. When you're constantly pointing the finger at Jesus Christ himself. And, and you may have many fingers to point at everything else, but you keep the main finger pointed at Jesus Christ. This is what God has given me. He's given me Jesus. He's given me himself. I point at the cross and I never forget what I have in the cross of Jesus Christ. 
And then pointing to Jesus, we can point to God's word. And we can point to the promises in God's word. And we can point to Romans 8 verse 28. Look, we know that all things work together for good to them that love him. To them who are the called according to his purpose. We, we can flip back the page and we can turn to Jeremiah 29 verse 11. The promise, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Thoughts of peace and of an evil to give you an expected end. And then we can turn back to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15. The promise for all things are for your sakes. And we keep our eyes fixed on Christ. We keep that finger on Christ. We keep our fingers on the promises. And then we point, we point also to God and we, and we say, this is from you, Lord. These are your gifts to me in your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you. Thank you. Remembering who we are in Jesus Christ, we, we can also keep in mind that the joy we have in Christ, the joy we have in Christ rises higher. It rises higher, it does, than all the sorrows and struggles we experience in this life. And then what do we do? Pointing to Christ, pointing up to God, we can point to the many other things that God has given us, the blessings, the abundant blessings that flow out of Christ. You can point at the things that fill up your home. I remember doing that when I was younger, opening your eyes, looking at everything and, and thanking the Lord. It's like you're supposed to keep your eyes closed when you pray, but you can open them and look at the things and, and thank the Lord for each thing that your eye gazes on. You can point at the things that fill up your house. You, you can point at the food that, that's in your plate. And you can point at the, the people who are sitting in the chairs around the table. And you can point at the pictures on the wall. You can point at the memories that the Lord has given you. You can point at the church and the friends and families in Christ Jesus. And in the midst of whatever circumstances you find yourself in, whatever circumstances you can point up and you can say, Thank you, Lord. You should. Do that, beloved. Reflect on the circumstances God has given you. It's so easy for us to say, thank you for, we thank thee for the food, we thank thee for this, we thank thee for that, but I, I was thinking about this. This is maybe what I need to do today. I put this sermon to the test, and at the dinner table today, reflect on my circumstances, meaningfully. Not just see the things, but see the circumstances. See the circumstances for what they are and, and bring a word of thanks to God. It doesn't mean we, we don't cry. I mean, maybe even in the giving of thanks, we do cry. There's nothing incompatible with that. Grieving and being grateful at the same time. That's, that's honoring the Lord in a very special way. Where you are struggling, keep giving that thanks. Keep doing that. As the apostle says in the text, and in the context, rejoice evermore. Don't stop rejoicing. Rejoice in the Lord always. Don't stop. Keep rejoicing. Pray without ceasing. Verse 17. Don't stop praying. Keep praying. And in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And then, as you give thanks, Recognize that although your thanks in this life is so imperfect, there is coming 
a life in eternity when you will be able to give thanks perfectly. And then thank the Lord for